Hello, everybody. I'm Pastor Steve Hogg at First Baptist Church in Rock Hill. Really glad you're watching this telecast. I want to invite you to celebrate Easter with us next Sunday at First Baptist. We have two worship services you can attend. One begins at 9 o'clock, the other at 1045. Again, that's 9 o'clock, 1045 on Easter Sunday. Would love for you to worship with us. Now, pay attention because we're going to talk about worshiping God and how important it is to us and our growth as Christians. Thank you for watching, and God bless you. Now, there's nothing like being in the presence of people you care about, nothing like being in the presence of the Lord. Yesterday, uh, as you can see from the photograph, Monisa and I drove to uh, Lexington, South Carolina to visit our newest grandchild, Emily, who turns two weeks tomorrow, one week tomorrow, two weeks tomorrow. What, what month is this? Yeah, it's, it's two weeks tomorrow. <laughs> And uh, so we had a good time visiting with Steve and Sarah and, and uh, uh, Emily Elizabeth. Um, while we were driving down, uh, Monisa had her iPhone and we were doing FaceTime with Jacqueline and her family. So it was a pretty cool day, about 30 minutes of FaceTime on the interstate with our daughter and, and two grandkids and son-in-law and then in the afternoon uh, with them. And you all done similar things, taking quick trips just to see family and people you love. And you know the reasons we do that, right? Why do we do that? What are reasons we visit one another? Why do we, why do we, huh? Love. When you love people, you want to what? You want to hang out with them. You want to see them. You want to talk to them. You want to be with them. We also do it to strengthen and deepen the relationships and the connections because, you know, uh, the idea that distance makes the, the heart grow fonder, there's a little bit of truth to that, but there's more truth to the reality that distance creates distance even in relationships, that relationships need to be nurtured by physical presence, right? By doing things to connect with one another. And so when we visit family, loved ones, both of those are reasons. One, we love them, so we want to be with them. But we also are with them because we want to deepen the love and strengthen it. We understand that on the human level. We understand that on our relationships with the people we care about. But here's a takeaway for you spiritually. That same principle applies to your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you love Him, you want to spend time with Him. If you love Him, you want to be aware of His presence. Now, He's always with you, but you're not always focused on Him, not always conscious of Him, not always worshiping Him. And the truth is, loving Jesus means you want to worship Him. Loving Jesus means you want to spend time with Him. Loving Jesus means you want to talk to Him and praise Him and just rest in the glory of His presence. Here's the other side of that. The more you do those things, the more you're going to love Him. And the less you do those things, the less you are going to love Him. The same principle that applies in human relationships also applies in your relationship with the Father. If you love the Father, you want to worship Him. You want to be with Him. And the more you are with Him and the more you worship Him in your heart and in your soul and with your life, the more you're going to love Him and the more you're going to feel connected to Him. So today, I want to talk for a few moments about worship. The role it plays in our lives and the priority it needs to have and the difference it makes in our lives as Christians. And I invite you to turn with me in your Bible to the book of Genesis in the Old Testament. The book of Genesis chapter 12. 
we're going to look at uh, Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation. And he's going to be an example for us when it comes to worshiping God and how important worship really is. Now, to really understand the story we're going to look at, you have to remember that Abraham was essentially a nomad. People who travel from place to place, not really having a permanent home, living in tents. In fact, the book of Hebrews chapter 11, which is a a list of all these great men and women of God who had tremendous faith, and they're an example of us, uh, for us of faith. Abraham's listed in that chapter. And it talks about his great faith and obedience, going to a, a, a new place that he had never been to, to before, had never seen before. And the Bible tells us that, uh, that he went there living like an alien in a foreign country, dwelling, listen to this, dwelling in tents. So he was a constant traveler. He was a, he was a, a nomad, if you will. Uh, his, his whole life, once he left his original home, He never had a permanent home until the day he died and went to heaven. Now, his descendants did. It was the promised land. But his whole life he spent wandering through that area as a nomad. And so watching how he did that, what was important to him during those formative years for the nation of Israel can instruct us as followers of Jesus Christ. And and the first thing you're going to see is that for Abraham, worship was a priority was a priority now the story begins at the end of chapter 11 with abraham's father in verse 31 his, his father terah took abraham and abraham's family and some other relatives and they moved from air of the chaldees down in babylon which today would be modern iraq and they they traveled north up to haran which is just across just across the the northern border of syria into the southeastern part of what today we would think of as as turkey and, and they lived there for a little while. And while they were there, Terah, Abraham's father, died. And so the story picks up in chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord speaks to Abraham. So now his father is dead, and God speaks directly to Abraham. Chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, that was his name before God lengthened it to Abraham, Go forth from your country, from your relatives and your father's house, to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So God comes and says, Abraham, pick up your stuff and take your immediate family and leave. And so in verse 4, what did Abraham do? He obeyed. He went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, took some relatives with him, and he was about 75 years old. Now... You get that? Age is not a factor in obedience. Whether you're young, old, or anywhere in between, age is not a factor in obedience. Obedience is determined by the heart. Obedience takes place in the will and in the mind and in the soul. It's not a factor that's dependent on circumstances. And so Abraham obeys God, and he departs from Haran, And he takes his family in verse 5. And in verse 6, they pass through the land as far as the side of Shechem. Now, Shechem is is, is an area in what we would think of today as Israel. So he's now in the promised land. So he obeys and he goes down to Shechem. And when he gets there in verse 7, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendants I will give this land. 
So the place you're on now, this is the area where I'm going to bless you and your descendants and make a nation. And God did that with Israel. Notice what Abraham did in the middle of verse 7. So he built what? What did he build? An altar. Look at that. He built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now what is an altar? It's a place of worship. It's a place where he could, he could worship. It's a place where he could gather his loved ones and other people to worship. And so he, he arrives and he builds an altar. Well, now remember, Abraham's a nomad living in tents. You, you see movies, you know, with desert nomads traveling with their camels or horses and tents. That's Abraham. They don't stay anywhere forever because God said, I'm going to give this land to your descendants. But Abraham doesn't own the deed to any acreage. He has absolutely no land in his name. He's a nomad. And so after a period of time, we're not told how long. In verse 8, Abraham proceeded. In other words, he leaves Shechem. And and he goes from there to the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. So he's moved to another location, still in the promised land. Now, he pitches his tent, and what's the next thing he does at the end of verse 8? What did he do? What did he build? He built an altar to the Lord, and he called upon the name of the Lord. So he moves to Shechem. What does he do? Place of worship. Moves to that mountain between Bethel and Ai. What does he do? Builds an altar, another place for him and his loved ones and other people to worship. But remember, he's a nomad, so he doesn't stay there forever. He's going to move some more. And uh, verse 9, Abraham journeyed on, continuing toward the Negev, down toward Egypt. And there was a famine. And so he, he goes into Egypt. And, and, and in the rest of chapter 12, he spends some time in Egypt. And then you get down to chapter 13 and verse 1. And watch this nomad. He leaves Egypt. And uh, in verse 3 of chapter 13, he journeys from the Negev. And he goes back to Bethel, that place Near the mountain between Bethel and Ai, where he had been sometime before and built an altar, he goes back to that same place where he had been before, to the place in verse 4, to the altar which he had made there formerly. And what did he do? Look at the end of verse 4. What did Abraham do when he got back there? He called on the Lord. So he goes back to that altar, and what does he do? He worships Jesus. Do you, do you see the pattern that's developing in Abraham's life? Wherever he goes, there's an altar. He worships it's a priority in his life. Well, the story continues in chapter 13. He moves around some more and, and uh, moves to, a, to a, a, another place. And uh, over in chapter 13, uh, down in verse 18, the last verse of the chapter, Abram moved his tent, and he came and dwelt by the oaks of Mamre, and, which is near Hebron. And what did he do there? What did he build at the end of verse 18 in chapter 3? What did he build, church? Now, so you've gone over several years of Abraham's life in those few verses. And one of the common themes is everywhere he went, he built an altar and he worshipped. What does that tell you about Abraham? What does that tell you about the importance of, of having a designated place to worship? What does that tell you about, about his commitment to worshiping God in his life, wherever he was, whatever the circumstances of his love. Now, I want to give you a sense of the distance he traveled. Okay, let's show you a map that shows these travels. Uh, you see Er the Chaldeans there on the bottom right. That's in Babylon. That's where he started out with his family and with his father, Terah. 
And so they moved north a great distance. You see Haran up there at the, at the top. That's, that's in southeast Turkey. And after a period there, they, they moved down to Shechem. And they stayed there a while. Then they moved to that area near Bethel for a while. Then they moved down to that area above the Red Sea, the, the, the Negev. And then they moved into Egypt. And then, so he's traveling. Now, that map doesn't really tell you how far he moved. So let's look at the next map. Starts out in the southern part of modern Iraq. Travels the whole distance of Iraq all the way through modern Syria. Crosses the Syrian border into southeast Turkey. And then his journey takes him from southeast Turkey back through Syria by Lebanon into northern Israel, then to central Israel, then to southern Israel, down just beyond the desert and into Egypt, and then back up. Would you say he traveled a good distance over those years? Now, he didn't have a, a, a jet plane. He didn't, he didn't even have a, a beat-up Ford pickup. Okay, he's walking. But everywhere he goes, it's the same thing. Builds an altar, and he worships his God. Isn't it easy for us to allow the changing circumstances of life to keep us from doing what Abraham did? Hmm. We move from this city to that city, this state to that state. We change jobs from this company to that company, changing circumstances, changing environments. Seasons of life, stages of life. You have no kids, then you do have kids. Then they're teenagers, and then they're in college, and then they're gone. It's just the two of you, and then you have grandkids. And it's all these seasons, all these stages of life. And, and I'll tell you, a lot of times as we, as we move through life and all of its changes and all of its circumstances, if we're not careful, we're not careful, commitment to worship falls to the side. As the demands and the interest of everything else crowded out. Abraham, through all his journeys and all his, all his experiences, all of his changes, did not allow that to happen. There was a commitment to, to resting in the presence of, of, of God. And I said a moment ago, we do that. One, because when you love somebody, you just want to do that. And, and when you do it, you stay connected, Right? I'm going to illustrate that for you on, on the, uh, the human level a little bit. Stephen, whom we visited yesterday, our son, our oldest, he's, he's 30. Man, that sounds weird for me to say that. He's 30 years old. When he was when he's in elementary school, I don't know, second, third grade, he came home with a little inexpensive gift he had purchased for me at school that day. And uh, it's this. It's just a little picture frame, and on the back I had a... It was made to be stuck onto something. So for about 10 years, some of you will remember I used to drive a little red S10 pickup. And uh, this was stuck to the dashboard of my pickup truck for a decade. And in it is, is his photograph from somewhere around third grade. And what it says is, think of me, Dad, up here at the top. Think of me, Dad. And then here in the bottom, please drive carefully. <laughs> so I, I, that was always on the dashboard of my truck for all those years he was growing up. You, do you know where it is today? I keep it out in, in, in uh, my, my 
workshop where all my tools and stuff are. And so whenever I'm in there, this is there, and I see it. Every time I go through my garage, because that's just off the side of my garage, and uh, that's there. And I still have it. And it's kind of worn, but I'll never throw this away. Now, Jacqueline, our daughter, she's 28. She'll, uh, she'll be 29 in May. One day, similarly to Stephen, she brought me a gift, and it was this. And uh, I have a, I've always had an office at home as well as here at the church, a desk and so on. And uh, so she brought this for me to put all of my pens and, you know, markers in, and it says, for my dad. And so I probably had this, you know, 20 years or so. And do you know where this sits today? It sits on my desk at the house. Now, why, why do I as a father do those things? Because it, it helps me remember and stay connected, right? What do, you, what do you think an altar does? What do you think your daily quiet time is all about? What do you think showing up at church every Sunday is about? It's about connecting and remembering and celebrating and deepening all of that, deepening those relationships. Because what would happen if I just lost these? What would happen if I tossed these? We'd still have the relationships, but what if I tossed every memento? What if I just decided I, we're not, you know, I, I don't want to drive down to Lexington today. It's, a, it's about an hour and 20 minute drive. I don't want to do that. And then, you know, back in the sun, I don't want to do that. What if I just decided I don't want to do those things? What if I decided I don't want to, you know, in my car with my Bluetooth, call my mother four or five times a week when I'm out just driving around in the local community. What would, what would happen? See, some people have lost relationships because they stopped staying connected. Correct? Others of you have deepened them because you've made it a point of staying connected. And you have things that celebrate those relationships and deepen it. And brothers and sisters in Christ, hear me. That is what worshiping Jesus does. When you take the Word of God and you have that quiet time on Monday morning, when you, br you bring your Bible with you to worship and you show up on Sundays and, and you open your heart, you open your soul, you open your mind to the Spirit of God, this is what you're doing. Don't, don't throw that away. Don't, don't lose that. Don't cast it to the side. Deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. It enriches your life. Now, Abraham was really, really good at that. And, and no matter what God did in his life, Abraham worshipped. Back in chapter 12 when God first commanded Abraham to, to move and go. Well, he obeyed and he moved and he built an altar and worshipped. So when God gave him a command, he obeyed. When God gave him a great promise. And, and chapter 13 we saw that he that he 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 moved um, he moved to Hebron and built an altar. The verses just before that, God spoke to Abraham and he said, Abraham, I want you to lift up your eyes and look all around, everywhere you can see. And I want you to take a journey. I want you just to walk oh, as far as you can see, just walk over all this land. And so Abraham took some time and he walked all over that land. And God said, Abraham, everywhere you walked is land I'm going to give to your descendants. And it was after that great promise that he built that other altar and worshiped. See, when, when, when you get into the Word of God and you discover these beautiful truths of God, these blessings of God, these promises of God, your, your natural response is just to love Him, uh, to, to worship Him, 
to, to be reminded of all the things that he said, all the things that he wants to do, all the promises he's given you. You, you can't separate obedience from worship. You can't separate faith and the promises of God from worship and intimacy with Christ. In verse 7 of chapter 12, God, God speaks to Abraham and, and, and tells him, you know, to, that I'm going to give this land to your descendants. And Abraham worships. What, what do you do when you hear the voice of God whispering in your heart? What, what do you do when you hear the voice of God speaking to your mind and soul? Do you, do you stop and listen and then respond through worship and adoration and say, yes, Lord? Or do you just kind of rush on by and ignore it? And how often do you put yourself in a place where God can speak to your heart, where God can speak to your mind and to your soul? You know, we today live in a, in a celebrity culture. We have people who are famous for no other reason than being famous. They've never done anything worthwhile in their life, but they're famous, right? And it's like everybody out in Hollywood thinks they know better than we do about how we're supposed to live. And the problem is too much, too many of the people in our culture are listening. We live in a celebrity culture where so many people worship celebrities, do you know that some psychologists in America and in England just a few years ago did, did a research project? And here's what they found as it relates to this celebrity culture. They found, they discovered, and this is secular psychologists, so we're not talking about some Christian stuff, okay? Secular psychologists discovered that the more religious someone became, the more faithful they became in their religion, the less they paid any attention to celebrities. <laughs> How about that? Because the more religious you become, the more enthralled with Christ you become, the more you worship Him, the more in tune you become with Him. His is the voice you want to hear, not all this other nonsense out there. And you get your sense of purpose and direction in life from His voice. You, you get your sense of what's right and wrong from His voice. You get your understanding of priorities and values from His voice. And when you... Shut out the voice of God because you don't have time for Him. You shut Him out. Then you tend to listen to all these other voices. Gradually, over time, these other voices become louder and louder and louder in your heart and in your mind and in your life. Because, you see, if, I, if I'm spending some time in the Word of God, if I'm spending some time praying, if I'm spending time worshiping, I'm hearing from God. And all of a sudden, I can look at some other things that people say, you know, that's really silly. But if you don't have the voice of God in your mind, in your heart, in your life, you're going to listen to anything. Satan will find something you'll listen to to get you off track. And so Abraham, worship, worship was a priority for him because it helped him continue to obey God. It helped him to continue to have faith in the promises of God. It helped him to continue hearing the voice of God so his life could be lived as a man of God. Now do you get the picture of how important worship is? And there, there was another reason Abraham was so committed to worship. It was one of the things he did to make God known to the people 
around him. Now you say, preacher, where do you get that? Well, in chapter 12, verse 8, at the end of it, it says that Abraham called upon the name of the Lord. Now listen to me. In chapter 13, verse 4, after he built an altar, at the end of it, Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Now when you and I hear that phrase, called on the name of the Lord, well, he's he's praying. Well, there's more to it than that. The, The Hebrew word here means something different than just to pray. Do you know what this word translated call or called means? It means to cry out, to cry aloud, to roar, shout, proclaim, pronounce, preach. Not all of Abraham's worship was quiet. And it wasn't all private. Some of it was public and people could hear it. There's a thing we call in the church world worship evangelism. That, that through what we do in worshiping Jesus, if we do it authentically, people can see God. But I'm going to tell you something. When, when, when I don't worship, when, I don't worship when, I'm, when I'm not walking intimately with Christ, people are not going to see God in my life. People don't see God in my life when, I'm, when I'd rather do all these other things instead of worship. Worship is a way to let people know there's a God. And that's what Abraham, Abraham did. Now, now this, this, is, this has been a pretty good few months for all you uh, Carolina natives. You know, you Clemson Tigers won the national championship in football, right? Yay. Y'all cheered a few months. Some of you did a few months ago. Well, the other, you know, the other crowd gets to cheer today. But, you know, the Gamecocks, I mean, basketball, who would have thunk it? Yeah, who would have thunk it? I mean, made the Elite Eight for the first time in their history, playing today for a chance to go to the Final Four. We'll see what happens. I'm going to watch the game. I, I was watching the game against Baylor the other day, and uh, I hated the way the TV cameras cut away real quick, but you caught a glimpse after the game. The Baylor players and coaches got with the South Carolina players. Instead of celebrating, they all got in that big circle and put their arms around each other. And listen, not everybody in that circle saved. There's lost people in that circle, Okay. But there's a few devout believers in that circle. And, so, and, and I don't want to make more of that than it is because it doesn't mean they're all, for, it's, that's not all a Christian thing. But there's, there's some believers in there and somebody led them in prayer. And I tell you what, I'd rather have that at least giving some, some respect to the fact that there's a God than no respect for God. Well, when you, you worship faithfully, what are you doing? You're saying, hey, world, there's a God. Em- empty churches don't point anybody to God. I've traveled in England and Europe, and I- I've visited a lot of beautiful cathedrals that had nobody but tourists in them. We were, uh, I think it was in Rome. This is spontaneous, so I'm trying to remember. One Sunday afternoon, we were in one of those plazas. And there was a church. So I'm going to check it out. I mean, they're all open. You can tour. About ten people in there worshiping while tourists walking in and out. See, what, what you do doesn't depend on what everybody else does. 
But what you do either points people that, to, to the reality that there is a God or it doesn't. And it's not just the people out there. It's the people in your own family. And it's, it's your friends and the co-workers. You're either pointing them to the reality that there's a God or you're not. And Abraham said, everywhere I go, I'm going to build this altar and we're going to worship and I'm going to proclaim the reality of my God because I want the people in this world to know there's a God. Because one of the things God said to Abraham was, Abraham, through you, I'm going to bless this world. And Abraham didn't did not just wait on his grandkids to do that. He did it in his own life, in his own way. And that's what each and every one of us need to do as well. So, are, are you, is your life, is your worship, are you worshiping in such a way, with such a consistency, with such a heart, with such an obedience, with such a faith? that you're telling the world there's a God? Are you staying connected to Him? Because, brothers and sisters, we need to, don't we? We, we desperately, desperately need to. So what is, what is God whispering to you right now? What is God asking of you? Do you hear him? Do you hear him? Now that you've heard him, what are you going to do? Are you going to listen to him? Are you going to obey him?